Hello and welcome to Too Fit to Be Tied. Where we talk about health from a variety of perspectives. Emotional health. Mental health. Physical health. And spiritual health. My name is Jerome. And I'm your co-host, Constance. All right, so in this episode of Too Fit to Be Tied, what are we talking about? So, well, this is like our Christmas edition, our post-Christmas edition. Okay, so it's going to be full of, uh, well, Christmas was, I don't know what Christmas day it is. Christmas was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I um, love your red sweater. Thank you. Very festive. You're still in the mood. I am. Did you have a and good Christmas? I did. How about you? I, I did. I'm over it, though. You're over it? Okay. Like, I think I've... The amount of calories I've ingested in the last probably week has been obscene. Okay. Like yesterday we went, we, we had, I was at my cousin's. We had, well, I had about eight, maybe I had 10. Okay. <laughs> maybe I had 10 ravioli, homemade ravioli. I swear to God, the, I was on the last ravioli and they're like, okay, dinner is ready. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? They had ham and potatoes. I'm like, I thought this oh was God. dinner. Like, no, that was the appetizer. Wow. I couldn't even move. I was, I, I couldn't touch hammer potatoes. So you, so you did, you ate all the ravioli. I ate all the ravioli. And then did you have dinner? Did you have No, ham? I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, couldn't. I had okay. like zero, I, there's no way no I could space. fit one more thing in. I mean, 10 ravioli <laughs> for me is a lot. I, I don't eat pasta like pretty much all year. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to sit down and I'm going to consume so much that I'm sick and I will not touch it again for another year. So what do you think they were thinking as you were just down in all these <laughs> ravioli? <laughs> well, and dinner's not even on the table yet. I they mean, must have been thinking, holy shit, what? she needs to dial it back a little bit. <laughs> Isn't she a, a fitness professional? <laughs> I don't, I, I think they might have been a little, I mean, I was shocked when I heard there was more. So I'm sure they were just like, okay, actually there was homemade bread, three pieces. I had three wow. pieces of homemade bread. I was. Well, it depends and, on how big the pieces are. They, let's just say they weren't small. And okay. they even commented, like, and this isn't even my family. This is my cousin's husband's family. And they're like, wow. We, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, wow, Constance. Like, people were shocked. Like, where are you putting all this? I'm like, oh, this is, like, for, I'm, this is for the whole year. I need to pack on at least seven pounds today so that I can. Oh, my God. This is this is hilarious. Yeah. So I have a lot of work to do ahead of me. This is, it was bad. And it wasn't just one day. It was the day before, and it was the week before. So Well, you, you got you to gotta enjoy the holidays. You don't not, you don't want to, you don't not want to enjoy, this is why we you shouldn't drink during these things. You're right. You, you got, you have to enjoy the holidays. That's you my, sacrifice, well, we, yeah. a lot of times as trainers, we sacrifice mm -hmm. a lot throughout the year. And then mm -hmm. one day, I just want to, you know, make up for lost time. Okay. And that's, yesterday was... Yes, you're just they, kind of testing out what that feels like. Oh, no. I know what it feels like. Oh, I yeah. do it every year. I do it every year, <laughs> okay. and then I hate myself. So I'm pro you know, I think we're all in the same boat. Everyone's just bloated and tired and disgusted with how much food and drink they've had. Um, and this is the time of year that everybody starts to really kind of, you know, gain a little weight. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we get busy with work because they need help taking it off. Yeah. You know what else, speaking of, this uh, time of year um, tends to bring? What's that? It tends to bring more divorce. 
because people are crabby from eating all the <laughs> food? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just, you know, all of the family festivities. And I think a lot of times people think that it's going to cer- look a certain way. You think yeah. that Christmas, I'll tell you coming from a very dysfunctional family, I, we always had this, and I know my parents had this too. They had this vision that Christmas was going to look like X, Y, and Z. And it was going to be a happy day. And we were going to mm-hmm. go to church and everyone was going to be a happy family. And it ended up with fights all the time. Well, I think Pete, you're, you're just in each other's faces. And the expectation so is so high too, to be yeah. perfect and to have everyone to be happy. And it sometimes doesn't turn out that way. And I think it turn- that's typical of any family, you know, but specifically. The, the expectations are higher mm-hmm. than, okay, mm-hmm. I, could, I could see that. You know, like you want your kids to be happy and everybody get along. And sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. So from what I have read, um, there's a couple of different, you know, arguments. There's, sometimes they say that after summer, that's a uh, big sort of, um, do you see divorce rates spike up? And what's what's the rationale behind that? I think it's just sort of you're out and about having fun and now it's oh, back same to reality. Sort of thing. People are on vacations mm-hmm. and the summer vacations. They're together a lot, just like during the holidays. And then that person isn't a good person for you. Then that that uh, will show up when you're in each other's faces like that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm I don't guessing. know either. But you know, we're I mean, gonna... you, you did the research on this. I mean, I would have I would have thought you would have had some. Better. (laughs) I'm just saying there's differing opinions. I'm just telling you there's differing opinions. But they do say that about one third of divorces go, about a third, there's an increase, a third of, how how am I saying it? 33% increase in divorce during the holidays. Is that it? Yeah, good, good. Thanks for doing the math for me. You got it. So today, we actually have a guest. Okay, and our guest is, because I never know who our guests are going to be. No, I'm kidding. I knew knew about them. Do you know why? Why is that? Because you don't book the guests ever. Yeah, but this, you, you know this thing doesn't happen without me. <laughs> so, so you book I booked the, the guest, talents. Okay, I booked book the, the talents. I got it. And that if I wasn't editing and putting this stuff We, we wouldn't the, be here. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, I mean, so we, so we each, I mean, you do some things. I do some uh-huh. things. You do the things you're better at. Yeah. I do the oh, things I'm better at. is that what at. it is? Okay. Yeah. And so. Well, we are going to be uh, interviewing my divorce attorney. Wow. His name is Umberto Davi. Um. He is a great little Italian man. I, I love him. I actually have to say, I have had such a great experience with him. I interviewed a lot of attorneys, and as you know, I've been divorced twice. So okay. trust me, I've had did my share. Did he handle share. both? No, he did not. Okay. Um, I got a recommendation, a referral from uh, a friend who said her father used him. And I wanted somebody that was just going to be clear-cut and honest and open with me. And he was exactly that. From the moment I met him, I loved him. He was not all about, you know— um, money, and he wasn't all about trying to screw anybody. He was probably the most fair um, attorney that I've ever heard of, and I, I really like him as a person. So I, I'm excited mm-hmm. to um, interview him and ask him some questions. I know you have some really great questions for him as well, and we are not pro-divorce. No, absolutely not. We are just pro-emotional health, and sometimes we have a lot of listeners, as you mm-hmm. know, because we get feedback that are kind of stuck in toxic relationships and they don't know how to get out. And so the purpose of obviously interviewing Umberto is not just because he's an interesting guy, but, you know, it maybe will help some people navigate whether they should stay or, or whether they should leave. Or, or what to expect from the process. Like if you wonder 
how's this work? You know, what Correct. do you do? Who do you mm-hmm. talk to? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. How long does it take? How much does it cost? All sorts of right. things like that. So, so we're going to get some answers. All right. You ready? I am ready. Let's hope my phone doesn't die. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so prepared. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, Umberto? I am good. How are you, Constance? I'm good. Merry Christmas. Constance, you want to introduce our guest to the listeners? Sure. So, as I mentioned before, Umberto Davi is, uh, he was my divorce attorney. Um, and I, Umberto, I was just telling the audience what an honest and very open, um, humble human being I think you are. You're not like a lot of the other divorce attorneys. Well, thank you, Conscience. I appreciate that, and uh, thanks for noting that. Sure. Do you get that a lot? You must get that a lot. Well, I do the part about not being like other divorce attorneys, but I think you and I uh, have chatted during the course of your case about the reasons for that and how I think that divorce cases are, first of all, I don't think they belong in court in and of itself, and, and litigation should be the last option, true litigation, so you know that. And that's where all of that comes from, uh, trying to repair the damage in the family and how tough those, those issues are when they present themselves. But, yep, I do get that from time to time. So you yourself have been, well, you've been an attorney for how many years? 39. Uh, this coming year will be 40 years. 40 wow. years. Well, congrats. And you congrats. are actually, you're currently married, right? 43 years. Wow. Wow. Correct. All right, so before we ask you all the, you know, divorce stuff, what is the secret to staying married for that long? Managing your expectations. We all have expectations, all of us. Whether it's uh, with friends, with family, with dating relationships, and of course with marriage, the ultimate culmination of a, of a relationship. We all have expectations, and when they're not met, uh, problems occur. And the way we respond to them, believe me, I'm just as guilty as anyone else, especially being Sicilian. <laughs> um, when these expectations are not met, things go wrong. They go bad. And sometimes they go so bad that we don't have, we ourselves don't have the ability to repair them. Wow, that's, that is an amazing answer. I mean, that's, that's almost like a, I don't know, a psychologist's answer. Well, it's funny because... Umberto actually went to school for psychology, right? Uh, uh, Constance, you are correct. And Jerome, uh, thank you for noticing that. So in my prior life, what I intended to be was, uh, once I got past the fact that I did not become a truck driver like my dad was, which again is all I wanted to do, but I wanted to be a clinical psychologist and a PhD level. And my understudies were all related to that. I found the field to be uh, not only fascinating, but so appropriate to the human condition that we all suffer from. But at some point in time, my uncle suggested that if I consider being a lawyer, and this is all true, by the way, my, my uncle is no longer alive, but he was an attorney uh, for his whole pro- entire professional life. He suggested that if I were to become an attorney, I would never have a boring second the rest of my life. And he was absolutely correct. So I thought, well, why not? That's how it all came about, Constance. So, wow, that's and and so uh, so you talk about managing expectations, um, and and you, uh, I mean, you sound different than other attorneys I've talked to. What 
percentage of people, when they come in to, I, I don't know, maybe start the process or start to think about it, what percentage of people actually follow through? Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's actually a very good question. Uh, so I want to say to you, uh, with some rare exception, 100%, that isn't the issue. The issue is how soon do they do that? Uh, getting divorced ranks in one of the top five most impactful mental health uh, events in one's life. The courage, uh, the force that you need to actually make that first step and say and commit to it and say, okay, I'm going to do it. That's what makes a difference. Uh, eventually, I've had clients that consulted with me and I've not heard from them for three, four years. And then they call me and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Of course, I've lost my notes by then. But that doesn't, uh, once they get to the realization that things are not good and they're not going to get better. So, so the time that it takes people to actually move forward, like, for example, you talked about the person who ca- called you three or four years later. Um, is that because they're trying to, I don't know, get themselves prepared? I don't know, sometimes I guess in terms of, you know, financially prepared or whether it's, I don't know, maybe the kids getting out of the I'd house say, or that sort of thing? You know, I, I understand. I'd say that getting financially prepared is rarely something that I've noticed clients do. Uh, it's the emotional part of it, the mental health part of it. Small children present a host of different issues. Uh, but at the forefront of all that is the fact that this wonderful commitment that you've made um, to someone uh, you have to come to the realization that it's just not going to work out. It has maybe not worked out for a period of time. This is the person you say, no, I'm going to end this. I don't want it. I don't want this anymore. It's not going to work. And so you have to accept that reality first that that which started out so wonderfully uh, in the beginning and so hopeful and so just full of, of good things. Has, has come to an end and it's crashed. So that that is, I think, one of the biggest factors in, in delaying the decision. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned courage, which, you know, it does take a lot of courage to move forward and to file, you know, in my opinion, at least in my experience. Um, but a lot of people look at that, you know, from the outside as um, you're taking the easy way out, you know, and I think you can attest to divorce is not easy. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of cases in a lot of, uh, you know, different situations. Um, what is the biggest misconception that you think people have about the whole process? Well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that uh, if your spouse has committed some fault, and fault can be designed, defined as bad conduct, and it starts out with they could be mentally uh, abusive, physically abusive. They could be suffering from, from maybe alcohol dependency, uh, some type of drug dependency, not necessarily illegal drugs, but prescription drugs, some mental health issues. If her spouse uh, is not the ideal parent that you thought that person would be, and it's, it's, I think it's in many ways gender neutral, my clients tend, well, you know, the judge is going to recognize that and I'm, he or she is going to get what's coming to them. They're going to be punished in some fashion or another. That, that isn't the case by any stretch of the imagination. 
our laws, our divorce laws, and forever explicitly and specifically uh, eliminated the concept of fault from a divorce case. None of that stuff is any place in court. And yet, invariably, I'm presented with that question. The other thing which I think also falls into that is that we still have custody as a concept when minor children are involved. The concept uh, of, of custody was eliminated. That was not thought to be a proper uh, assessment of what happens to children in divorces. We now have, uh, as you know, Constance, allocation mm-hmm. of parental responsibilities. And, uh, you know, the, along with that is a concept that, you know, I'm a better parent than the other parent because I do all of this because I got up in the middle of the night to change the diapers and, and they answer the cries and so on and so forth. I make all the doctor's appointments. That's a good thing to present, but it has nothing to do with the concept of custody, which is now allocation of parental responsibilities. All it does is it helps the judge decide which parent might be given the greater day-to-day parenting time of a child. The law specifically says that both parents are on an even keel, uh, and it takes a lot to to diminish or limit the other parent's parenting times with a child or children. But at the end of the day, that's not really what's needed. Do you believe that staying in a toxic marriage or divorcing could be better or worse for children? So this is a, another very good question and something that people struggle with. Uh, and I'm going to tell you that professionally, the mental health experts are almost equally divided on the answer, which kind of leaves you with, so what do I do? Where do I go from here? And that's where you have to do that internal assessment, that personal assessment and say, where am I at? What's going on on a day-to-day basis? Um, some relationships are so toxic that all the children are constantly exposed to is the discord between mom and dad. And this is on a daily basis. In my own personal assessment, why would you want to expose a child to that? What, how are they going to grow up to be functioning adults when all they see is strife? Mm-hmm. So my answer is very straightforward. I'd say if it's bad and you make that assessment, the sooner you get out, the sooner you start your journey to get out, the better off you are. Because if your children, and I, I get parents after parents telling me things are so much quieter now, so much better. Once you make that personal uh, sort of assessment, I think you need to just act on it. We know what the obvious thing is, but we just can't quite muster, again, the courage to, to get going on that. So if, from my opinion, if it's bad, end it. Do something. Just move on. Take it on. You'll be much better off once it's all done. Well, I'm, I'm sure you've seen like a range of um, divorces that were, you know, amicable and some that were pretty messy. Is there like a percentage breakdown of amicable divorces versus ones that are, are messy? So I have an answer to that. And I can tell everyone that that uh, about 95, 96 percent of all divorce cases end up being settled. Only the real minority of cases end up being decided by a judge after a full trial, and the judge actually makes the decision. So that's the good news. 
the bad news is the time that it takes. Sometimes we joke and we say, well, divorces are like wine. They have to age before they're drinkable, if you will. Yeah. And that's very true. Rarely do do our both spouses at the point that they want to call it quits. Invariably, it's always one or the other. One is ready, the other one is not. And many times the other one absolutely does not want the divorce. By the way, add that to the misconception, and that's the point that if you want a divorce in our jurisdiction, most of the, if not the entire U.S., you'll get your divorce. You don't need any kind of evidence, really, except that you're not together anymore as husband and wife. And that doesn't even mean physically separating. You can still be living under the same roof and still not be acting as husbands and wife. But going back to what I said, it's the process, the time that it takes, and that's what makes the difference to get to the point where you resolve the issues, uh, enter into an agreement and move on. So that's the answer on that. So how long would you say on average it takes for a divorce to actually finalize? And I mean, obviously there are some states that have like cooling off periods. Is that correct? They were primarily, I believe, based on my reading, based on religious uh, reasoning. Ah. Uh, A lot of religions don't favor divorces, although all of those things have really been relaxed, if you will. Uh, We don't don't have any such thing. We never had any such thing. And by the way, we're not a common law state where if you live together for more than so many years, you're automatically married. Uh, That came out of California years and years ago. But... uh, um, so, um, the average length of a case, if I, I believe that's the question on yeah. the floor, I would say based on my, my experience, about a year, the big, big, big factor is children. Mm-hmm. If you have minor children, the length of the case can easily go into two years, um, because the parents are struggling, uh, with each other as to what's going to happen to the children in the post-divorce life. You know, I want I want them with me all the time. I want the other parent to only have them on such and such a time. So use a year. That's a reasonable figure. If you truly are in agreement, and that means who gets the forks and who gets the knives, <laughs> if you are if you are in agreement, because people say, yeah, we agree to everything, and then you ask a few questions, and then you learn they haven't agreed on anything actually. Uh, uh, but if if you are in agreement, you can get a case done in thirty days. You know what? Um, what do you do when you have a client? Well, like I have never asked for anything, in my opinion, outrageous. And you know, I mean, you and I have been through some through war together. But I mean, there was never any like you know I you know I don't want my son you know being watched by anybody else, or I don't want some other random. You know, if my ex gets remarried or has a girlfriend, I never we never put any stipulations in our um, agreement. But you know, there are things that are like that. There's a lot of I've I've read very odd, co- sort of controlling type um, stipulations. What do you do? Do you advise your client? Because I I would assume you wouldn't have a tolerance for a lot of like bullshit like that. <laughs> what do you advise your clients when you start to hear crazy? you know, stipulations coming out of their mouths like that, that they want? Well, the first thing I tell them is that bullshit is not a legal term, Mm. but it does exist. (laughs) Uh, So what I tell the clients, if it's goofy enough, if it gets to a point that common sense is just not going to enter 
either the negotiations or, or, or the resolution of what's going on, uh, then we got to set the case for trial. You set the case for trial, you're under the gun, you're under the clock. You can then definitively know when the case is going to end. You know, the, the downside, the judge is going to make, have to make a decision. But if you are uh, comfortable in the facts that you have and the facts that you're going to present to the court, whether they're children-related or financially related, just get that trial date set. Do what you got to do and, and move on and be done with it. Because otherwise you're beating a dead horse to death. That's what you're doing. And you're spending... Uh, you're not going to get any better. The horse isn't going to wake up. So. And you're spending a lot of money doing so. Yeah, of course you are. What's the average cost? Or is there an average cost to, to a divorce? I, I imagine it's depends on whether there's kids involved and whether you've got like a boat and a vacation home and that sort of thing. But um, what's... What's the average cost, and is, is there sort of like a high and low end? So you already mentioned a couple of the ingredients that make them expensive. The children, a lot of property to fight over. Although I will say parenthetically that lack uh, a, a shortage of money does not prevent people from fighting in court. However, that works. You know, they're quite happy to throw baggers at each other in the small ones and big ones and in between whether or not they have the money, and then people are shocked at the end what they spend. So you could do a case easily for $3,500. Again, you got to agree on the, on the spoons and the forks and everything else. If you do that, the filing costs are relatively small if you don't involve experts. So those are experts that get paid to render an opinion. Just so that everybody understands the way it works is this. In order for a judge to make a decision, he or she has to be presented with some evidence. And so the evidence starts out with testimony, testimony by the wife, testimony by the husband, testimony by the guardian and lighting for the children, if there is one, and then testimony by the real estate appraiser, if they're all fighting about what their house is worth, or testimony by the business valuator, if there is a business uh, that's owned by the marriage. And please know and keep in mind that all property acquired after a marriage is consummated, meaning somebody says, I do, is marital in nature. doesn't matter whose name is on it. If you buy a car and put your name on it during the marriage, that's not make it your car. It belongs to the marriage. And the judge gets to divide it or allocate it, as they say, if you can't agree. But going back to your question, Jerome, so the cost, those are all factors that increase the cost. You could do a case for 3500 bucks because there are documents that need to be drafted, the formal documents that terminate the marriage, the formal, docu formal documents that underscore and, and set out the agreement between the parties on the money part and on the children part, two separate documents. So there's a, some minimum cost you're going to have. But what makes the cost go up, and I've had cases that have been in excess of two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in fees, which wow. one thinks it's absurd. Oh it's absolutely absurd, but it's real. And these are not, believe me, these are not the top of the top of the line, if you will. There are people that spend millions of dollars litigating, and it just gets out of control. Of course, they have the millions of dollars to waste on this, but. Um, so you could you could do a case ten fifteen twenty thousand dollars not hard to get to that point 
because it all depends on the experts you have to hire, the times you go to court, and the times you have to be either on the phone, on the emails. Now remember, lawyers, it sounds goofy, but lawyers don't sell widgets. We have nothing to sell except what we know, which is in, in our knowledge of the system and and the laws and the applicability of the laws and how the judges respond to certain issues, trying to keep our clients out of problems, out of trouble. And we have the time. This is what we sell is our time. So it's it's uh, ethereal. It's not real. You can't touch it. But certainly that that's what you're paying for. Um, no, you could do it. Divorce yourself if you want. Nobody Nobody compels you to get a lawyer, but I don't know. Uh, how recommended that is. I tell my clients, certainly go ahead and do your own divorce, and I'm going to go outside and tune up my car and figure out whether the transmission <laughs> doesn't work, and I'm going to change this on it, and then the furnace is not really acting up right, so I'm going to go in there and fix it. Well, that's a disaster, you know that, because yeah. I don't have any such knowledge, and what, what's I the, choke. And, what's well, this, there's, there's a saying that uh, uh, a person that represents himself has a an attorney that represents himself has a fool for a client or something along those lines. Is that, I can't remember what, how it. No, you're right. Jerome, you're absolutely correct. That is the saying, you know, but even that applies to a person who's not an attorney. Oh, it's who even represents right. himself Oh, then it's worse. As a fool for a client. <laughs> absolutely agree. It's true. So, so let me it's ask, true. let me ask you this. Do you, okay. Do you have to, do you feel, because obviously this is very highly emotional stuff that you have to deal with. You know, I mean, these cl- clients, the emotions run high and there's drama. I mean, a lot of times. Um, do you feel like you have to separate your own emotion from these people or do you feel like you actually truly get emotionally invested in some of your clients? Early on, um, you do get yourself in, in, personally involved in it and you take this on as your own cause. But as time goes on, you separate yourself. Uh, and of course, uh, you are interested in your client's well-being, but it, it, it's somewhat of an arm's length. In many ways, uh, if you think about it, it's no different from a mental health therapist losing a uh, patient to suicide. You, think you can run around saying, uh, you know what, I, must have, I wasn't good enough to keep this person from committing suicide. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you could also run around and say, I've kept this person alive for X amount of months, X amount of years. A doctor who loses a patient, um, same thing. You can't you can't go to to a church and mourn every time this happens. It's just not healthy. It's just not going to work. Mm, okay. So, uh, Umberto, do you have a, like a I don't know like a really funny slash well, I shouldn't say funny or craziest you know thing that craziest <laughs> divorce story that um, that you can share? I don't know if you can share anything like that or you'd, you'd want to. I mean, other, yeah, like, other than easy, mine. It's easy. Everybody's anonymous. So don't okay, absolutely right. can. And I got a bunch of them. I should have kept better notes so I, they could go into my book if and when I decide to write it. But uh, <laughs> all right. so, so the setting is in one of our most populated counties. And um, I, and I should say we, because I had a co-counsel at the time, we were both of us working on it. Uh, uh, we're representing not the spouses, not the husband, and not the wife. We were representing the male gay lover of the husband. Oh, my goodness. Got, oh, yeah. Who got sucked into the divorce case because 
he and the husband had at one time uh, owned some property together that generated rents. In divorce cases, like in a lot of other cases in court, you can bring in, you can ask the court to join in, is what it's called, others who have an interest in the case. For example, in a divorce case, if you've got parents who lend money to one of the spouses, their child, who then buy a house with it and it's a substantial amount of money, and then the issue is litigated as to where that money came from, you can, and I have in cases, uh, brought in third parties, the parents, to litigate, to fully litigate the issue. Where did this money come from? I had one case where it was $200,000 that the parents of the, of the wife, my client, had lent both of them to buy this wonderful, beautiful house in Oakbrook. But going back to that other case, so he gets <laughs> dragged into the case. And so the, the background of the case is kind of interesting. The husband and the wife lived together at one kid. There was a, a, a caretaker for the child who would come to the house. It was a young lady, and you know what happened, of course, the husband and the young lady got together uh, at times when the wife wasn't watching, and they created another child. Meanwhile, wow. he's having gay relations with my client, our client. Oh, this, oh, is, this is still the same story. Oh, my God. It is. Oh it is. God. It's all going on, and they're buying this property, getting some rentals out of it, rehabbing, and things like that, and which eventually uh, this property was uh, one of the essence of the marriage. So he got brought in, and you can bet that it lent us some interesting uh, information <laughs> being given to the judge. So. Right. Oh my God! Wow. <laughs> but I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Uh, we went out for a brief, for a drink, a celebratory drink when the trial was over with our client, the gay lover of the husband, <laughs> who had so a kid with the daycare provider and. And his own kid and his wife was condoned that for a while, and then she got upset. And our client was happy. He was happy the way things turned out. You know, they were looking to dip their hands into his pocket, but he was spared. But that was wow. one hell of a catch, I'll tell you. Wow. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. I don't know. You might want to... Uh put a TV show together or something <laughs> with, with some of those. <laughs> no. Sounds like a lifetime know. movie. Yeah. Okay, so last question, Umberto. If you could do it all over again, would you still be a divorce attorney? I can answer that in a heartbeat and absolutely resoundingly, yes. I love being, I love the job that I do. I was made to do divorce work. I know that. So when I first came out of law school and got my license, I, the, the, all my contacts and all my, the people that I do were in the criminal justice system. So obviously I did the criminal cases uh, and I did that for about three and a half years. And I quickly learned that I was not very happy with it. And it was not something that, that I could see spending the rest of my professional life doing. But in the, in the midst of all that, um, I, I had a friend who was a male friend that I've known for years. And unfortunately his alcohol issues, uh, created a big, big problem in the marriage. Eventually he imploded and lost the business, lost his uh, marriage. But I agreed to do his divorce and uh, the wife trusted me enough to to bring in some objectivity to all that went on. And I got it done. But I found when I did, that was my first divorce case. Ever. Wow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, when I, as I was going through that, 
and dealing with some very, very serious issues, emotional issues, and, and practical issues. Uh, I found this is what I want to do, and that's how it all started. So I do it all again in a heartbeat. Do you only do DuPage County in Illinois? No, listen, I, I tell everybody, our license is good in the entire state. Okay, so you'll go, you'll not, go all over. Yeah I've, always, yeah, I've always done the collar counties here. Uh, it's not cost-effective to do divorce uh, outside of the collar counties unless there's some special circumstances. Uh, okay. But uh, Will County, Cook County, um, I've gone to Kane County. To I've got a, a case in Grundy County right now. Oh, wow. By the way, in case you want to know, it takes the same amount, if not a little bit less time, to get to Grundy County Courthouse in Morris, Illinois, than it does to go downtown during traffic. Oh, I bet. So, wow. Your office is in Western Springs, right? It is. And yes. your do you have a website? I do. What is um, it? I, I do. I never go on to it, but I'm told <laughs> that I do. <laughs> do you know what it is? Well, um, Melissa, what's my website? <laughs> Melissa, she, she agreed to come in today. And I love that. <laughs> and and we'll, I, we'll certainly post it on uh, social on the, media. On the, yeah. I just had dinner yes. with my webmaster on Thursday night. So That's okay. No, Get us the info. To my website. <laughs> we will post it, Umberto Davi, D-A-V-I, in Western Springs. And just to be clear, you are not charging me for this podcast, right? Come on now. <laughs> you know better than that. Tell, tell Jerome about all the no, courtesy notes. I'm going, yes. Oh. I will tell him. I will. I'm still, I'm still, this guy is going to be 80 years old. I'm still going to be paying him. Right, Umberto? You can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> Well, thanks. No, but once in a while I get a dinner out of it. Yeah, it's you, true. That's right? true. I even owe him I dinners. That part. <laughs> we'll do well, it again in the new year. Well, thanks so much for talking with us. This has been uh, informative and uh, and I'm sure helpful for the listeners. Yes, thank you so much, Umberto. Thank you for having me, Jerome. A pleasure to, to, to speak to you for the first time. And Constance, always a pleasure to thank talk you. to you. Thank you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Bye-bye, everybody. Right, Merry, bye. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, he's a funny guy. Wow. Yeah, that was informative, yeah? Yeah. Um, he's got a lot of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, well, and, you know, and interestingly, um, you know, I've talked to some divorce attorneys and then, and, you know, I, didn't, I haven't talked to all of them, so I don't want to overgeneralize, yeah. but some, you know, you leave and it's like, well, I'm not, you, you feel dirty almost. Yes. Like, you know, like they're, they're ruthless. Ready to, yeah. And it's like, they're I, vindictive. Know. They're ruthless. It is a weird feeling. I've been through that. And you can see oh, it's so talking much, to him, he's just a genuine guy. And that's yeah. the only reason I mean, that I approaches things with compassion. Yes. And, and, and has a psychology, <clears throat> you know, background, which background, is yeah. fascinating. So um, I hope which, the audience which, learned something. Which I think certainly plays into like how he, I don't know, how he handles divorces. I mean, yeah. you could tell. I mean, he's really. You know, I, I'm concerned about both parties. You know, yes. and yeah, um, and that. So yeah, that was that was great. Yeah, that's definitely who he is. Um, I honestly, you know what I will say, I loved his misconceptions because you do hear people that are like, you know, that they cheated, and I'm gonna prove it in court, and I'm gonna. It's like they, the judge doesn't give a shit. Yeah, they don't well, care, and things have changed. Well, see, I I did know that because um, well, you know me, I've. Done your own uh, research? Some, it's more cut and dry, I think, than people think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't go, oh, well, he did this or he, I don't know, was mean to me, so right. I should get more money. It's like it doesn't it doesn't work right. that way. Correct. Oh, here we go. He, he just messaged me. 
Okay. He says, Melissa tells me that my website is, <laughs> <laughs> his website is Davi Legal, D-A-V-I-L-E-G-A-L.com. Perfect. All right. All right. Yeah. So for a true fit to be tied, I'm Constance. I'm Jerome. And Have we'll a good s- night. I'm supposed to say the last. But you didn't say it right. Yeah, I started it and then I ended it. No. Do it again. Okay. So I'm for con- two fit to be tied. Well, that's it for two fit to be tied. I'm Jerome. I'm Constance. And we'll see you next time. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I got to say something at the end. Okay. We're, that's gonna, my signature I'm, thing. I'm going to hire uh, Umberto. <laughs> <laughs>